I'm John Seifer. And I'm Jerry O'Shea. We spent over 30 years in the CIA uncovering global conspiracies. Conspiracies aren't just a theory to us, which is why we started our podcast, Mission Implausible. Everyone has questions about conspiracy theories, but with our background, we can actually answer those questions. Anyone can just start screaming about microchips and Jewish space lasers, but it's our mission to remove the bull and get down to what's real. Listen to Mission Implausible on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get Our Way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The volume. What is up, everybody? John Middlecoff, Three and Out Podcast. How are we doing, my people? Hopefully, everybody is doing well. On a uh, beautiful Thursday afternoon, recording this, you might be listening on the weekend, Friday. Hopefully, everyone's getting ready for a good weekend, having a good day. And hopefully your lives are going well. A lot of football stuff from Rodgers to Saquon to Dan Snyder finally sells. YouTube TV coming in, getting the NFL ticket. We will dive into it all. We will also have a mailbag out. At John Middlecoff is my Instagram. DMs wide open. Fire in the uh, fire in the DMs whenever you want. And get your question answered on the show. We'll have one out on Sunday. As well as if you go to the volume.com merch store. We're pushing some merch. I got some sweet Go Low trucker hats as well as some Go Low polos. Uh, They they look good. I got some on their way to me right now. A lot of football stuff coming up. We will dive into in a second. But I was at dinner the other night. I looked up at the television screen and I saw Giants Dodgers. And I went, I used to go to Giants Dodgers all the time. And I would buy tickets and I'd spend a lot of money. Well, I got you covered. You want to go to a baseball game? I talked to a buddy the other day. He's like, I'm going to Dodgers Cubs. I'm like, download the game time app. They're the official app of this podcast. And use the promo code JOHN, that's J-O-H-N, and get $20 off. You want to go to an event in these inflationary times? Things are expensive. So I'm trying to save you some money. I got your back, guys. And I don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code JOHN when you download the GameTime app right now. Do it at your app store and use promo code JOHN. Anything. Concerts, comedy shows, obviously NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs. I got you covered. Take advantage of the deal right now. Where should we start? The Rodgers jet saga will never end, but I I do think one hot topic right now uh, is the Houston Texans and this situation of their general manager and what they're going to do with the number one overall pick. And let's start with the GM. Their new head coach, Tobiko Ryans, just got a six-year contract. And his coaching mentor, the only guy he's ever worked for as a coach, was Kyle Shanahan. And one thing that the 49ers were huge on when they fired Balky and Chip Kelly and started over, they wanted two guys to come in together. Because a huge reason for their lack of success had been the lack of cohesion with their general manager and head coach, right? Harbaugh, Balky. And then Balky, Tom Sula failed. Balky, Chip Kelly wasn't working. They wanted two guys to come in at the same time and work together. Why? Because no different than our personal relationships, 
professional relationships, chemistry, respect, and, and really having the same amount on the line matters. So Casario, who, listen, I've never met the guy. Uh, everything I've heard, hard worker. I think he knows what he's doing. He negotiated an awesome trade with the Cleveland Browns to get all those first-round picks, all those picks to get rid of Deshaun Watson, a guy that was never going to play for them again. So I, I give him credit. Now, there are things that he does. Like, I don't love my general manager on the headset with my head coach. Whether that head coach, you know, I understand Belichick utilized him, but Belichick was the GM. And he kept doing that when he was in Houston. Now, when he hired David Kelly, listen, I worked with David Kelly in Philly. Nice guy. But that was one of the most embarrassing hires in the history of the league. Now, in fairness to him and the Texans, they were a joke at the time. No one would touch their job. Last year, I can't quite figure out. Hiring Lovey Smith, that's, that's a terrible hire. I mean, we all knew it at the time. He can't be your head coach in 2022. He was. They were god-awful. But he wasn't god-awful enough to get the number one overall pick, won the game at the end of the year, and screwed up their chances, right? So now they're drafting two. Well, when they hired D'Amico, who had been with the Texans before, obviously Casario, you would think, would be all in on the guy. And I assume he is. Who's not? D'Amico is a star. He was a stud player. He was a stud quality control guy. He was a stud position coach. He was a stud defensive coordinator. I would bet on a guy like that to be a stud head coach. Because that's all D'Amico does, is shine. But we've seen these previous hires, like, does Casario want more of a puppet? And now these reports coming out that, like, Casario's days may be numbered. Now, is it just simply he's going to get fired? D'Amico going to push him out? Is it as simple as the owner is going to give all the power to D'Amico? He can hire whoever he wants? There are some people that think Casario may just be over it and wants to go back to New England, an area where he's more comfortable. Maybe he doesn't want the job anymore. I don't know. I don't have the fucking details. The reality is you can't operate your organizations like this. And I think you're going to see this in Denver. The head coach, once you give him all the power, and right now these guys make all the money, you, they, they make way more than general managers, you have to have them on the same contract path as the GM. So when picks don't work out, so when players don't work out, or vice versa, when things go well, everyone gets all the credit or everyone gets all the blame. But right now, when you have things off kilter, it becomes a problem. Because things, especially when you're not any good, inevitably go wrong. Now, has Casario's time gone well in Houston? Obviously, win-loss record, not at all. But if him and D'Amico are on the same page, to be a good general manager, you have to have a good coach. I don't care how great you are at making moves. Howie Roseman is one of the best wheeler and dealers, if not the best, in the league. Right? Brett Veach is a fantastic general manager. Has Andy Reid. Howie, like, turns out Sirianni, pretty damn good. Doug Peterson, not bad. Right? So when you get a good head coach, it makes you look a lot better as a general manager. This is not baseball. GMs don't get to set the lineup and call the plays. That's not the way it works. The coaches do that. You don't have much impact on game day. So this notion, the last couple of years, hiring those guys, even if two years ago with Cully wasn't totally his fault because no one would take his job, the Lovey thing didn't make much sense. Now, this hire makes a lot of sense. And the other thing D'Amico knows, when you get a long-term contract, because there's a lot of talk, you got to take a quarterback, you got to take a quarterback. Well, what if you don't like the quarterbacks? Like, that's been Ballard's thing the last couple of years. Everyone keeps saying, you got to draft a quarterback. You got to draft a quarterback high. Well, what if I don't like the quarterbacks that are being drafted high or I have the opportunity to draft with my picks? What am I supposed to do? Take a quarterback? So I get an applause from my fans on draft night? 
And then when that guy can't play, them and the media are all going to want me fired. So I always agree with the notion of take a guy you like. Like if you don't like the guy, now that doesn't mean you're going to be right. But when you get a six-year contract that gives you a runway, you know, if you don't feel too comfortable with a certain player to take a guy next year, to figure it out as time goes. And D'Amico saw Kyle Shanahan, who his first year, do you know who he passed on? Patrick Mahomes. Passed on Patrick Mahomes. Took Solomon Thomas. Didn't age well. Like, I think he'd like that one back. But ultimately, because they built a good team and they figured out the quarterback position with some help plug-and-play guys, they three years of success out of the last four. And D'Amico saw that firsthand. So I, I, I don't think the Texans are going to be forced into taking a quarterback, even if it's, you know, D'Amico's choice, because one thing he's learned is like, not just buy you time, but you can build it the right way. Because most people are never going to draft a Patrick Mahomes or even like a Josh Allen. But if you have a really good team, you can get a guy that's middle of the road or slightly better and be really competitive. I'm not a huge Kenny Pickett guy, but why does he have a very good chance to succeed? Because year in, year out, the Steelers are really talented. They're very, very good, right? At a lot of positions. They have a lot of impact players. If you put Kenny Pickett on the Houston Texans, they would suck. If you put Kenny Pickett on the Chicago Bears, they would blow. But next year, like I'm sure I'll pick the Pittsburgh Steelers to win 10 games. And I think Kenny Pickett's like a Mac Jones type player. Why? Because they have a lot of talent. They have a good coach. And that's, if you build your team that way, it's easier to pivot. Now, obviously, the Texans are starting from, you know, the ground up. They don't have much, if at all. And when you start there, if you force a quarterback and that guy's not good, it's a major problem. And even if you pass on a guy and that guy becomes good, if you build the team the right way and land a lot of players, it'll buy you some time, right? The way you get fired is you pass on Mahomes, you pass on Josh Allen, and your team continues to suck. Like you have no players to show for it. And um, I have a lot of faith in D'Amico Ryans. I have no clue what's going to happen with this Casario situation. I wouldn't blame D'Amico if he wants his own GM in there. I wouldn't blame the owner, even though, like, let's face it, I think it's easy with owners in sports to be like, patience, let's blow it up. Remember Sam Hinkie, tank, 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 start over, you know, rip out the screws and let's build it from the ground up. What's well, easy to do for a year, maybe even two, and then it starts getting ugly. Why? Because the fans complain. And guess who your owner hangs out with? Other rich people that are also just fans. They're talking shit. And you start getting antsy. So if Casario, who had this big picture plan, and like I said, negotiated a fantastic trade, is quote-unquote forced out, like it shows you. Patience is never guaranteed in the league. And things can change at the drop of a hat. And it's why coaches have always told me, like, damn, you're going to take that job as an offensive coordinator? Well, yeah. They're going to pay me a three-year contract at $1.2 million a year. It's game-changing money. I can't turn it down. Even if I fail, I'm super rich, right? And, and so I, I think that these situations are complicated. They're never easy. It's been really, really ugly. Uh, and I think it just comes down to, in this day and age, that the coach just has way more juice than the personnel guy. Just consistently, because at the end of the day, they make way more money. And in the hierarchy of any of our jobs, the guy making the most money usually has the most pull. And especially if you're, you know, figuring out between two individuals, the guy you're paying three, four X the other guy, you're going to lean to what he says. The Rogers Jet situation. 
what a bizarre, weird, just ultimate NFL saga, right? That Rodgers and the Jets feel like they're destined for each other. Both organizations acknowledge. The Packers, we all agree, he is never playing for the Green Bay Packers again. The Jets' general manager has said multiple times, once last week on stage with a drunk boomer, really funny video if you find it, that Aaron's going to be here. Like, it's that's pretty rare in trades. Now, a lot of times, there's not some, like, ongoing saga with a trade. So it usually just either doesn't happen or it happens. It's hard for the personnel people, the coaches, the whoever to kind of talk about it while it's going on because it usually goes on be- behind the scenes and then it happens. That's not the case here. Like, this is the most public trade, I think, in, like, NFL history in terms of the process of it. And I, I think it all gets down to this. Do both sides want the deal to get done? And I, I think you could use that philosophy for anything in life. I Listen, listen. living with my girlfriend the last six, seven months, who's a real estate agent, her job is not necessarily selling homes. It's really negotiating the homes, right? With her client, with the other agent's client, and just finding some middle ground. And if both sides want to get a deal done, even if they're apart, the deal inevitably always gets done. Some contingency gets waived, price gets dropped, something gets added, it gets done. If some, if one side does not want to get the deal done, usually when it falls apart. And it's why a lot of trades don't happen, I would say. Because one side's like, yeah, we'd be willing to trade this player. And it's like, we'd love to have this player. We'll offer you this. You're like, yeah, it's not quite enough. Like how many things in your life, if you think about it, from a bicycle to a pair of shoes to your golf clubs to your lake house, to your car, to whatever, you'd be like, yeah, I'd be willing to sell for the right price. I'd say most things in our life, right? Like I'm looking at some bikes, I'm looking at some TVs, I'm I'm looking at my computer right here. Like if you said, hey, John, I'll give you $2,500 for that five-year-old, well-used Apple MacBook. I'd say, here you go. <laughs> here you go. If he walked up to me and said, you know what, John? I'll give you $1,000 for your laptop. I would say, obviously not. It's not even worth $1,000, but I need it for my job. I don't want to waste the hassle of going to find a new one, setting it all up. I would say no. Where a lot of deals that fall through is kind of that. Like, yeah, I'd think about it. We'll get to the right price, and then it happens. Like the reason the Carolina Panthers and the Chicago Bears executed the trade is because the Bears were willing to trade the number one overall pick, and the Panthers blew their fucking socks off, right? So... It was. It ended up being a relatively easy to do, especially once they threw in DJ Moore. They would not have traded him to the Panthers if all the Panthers were willing to offer it was like, "Hey, listen, we'll give you a one and three twos." <laughs> They'd say no. And I think this Rogers Jet situation is both sides. One really wants the quarterback, and the other can't stand the quarterback. So now they're negotiating the price, even though the execution of the deal is already done. Like the Packers are, Aaron Rodgers is never taking another snap, and the Jets do not have a choice. He has to be their quarterback. They do not have other options. So now it's just like we're kind of arguing over the semantics of the deal. And Charles Robinson reported that the Packers are adamant. I want your 24 first round pick. We're cool with giving you give us one of your second round picks this year and we want your pick next year. And honestly, if I'm the Jets, it's like, listen, if he's going to be on my team for three years or we win the Super Bowl next year, I got no problem giving you my 2024 first round pick. Let's do some contingencies here. But I can't just blindly give you my 24 pick. He literally just said when he got out of the darkness retreat, I was going to retire. So this is a guy, a one-year rental. 
Now, even if Rodgers is a one-year rental, there is a lot of value there. I'd argue to the Jets, if you knew right now he was a one-year rental, you could still justify giving two twos. Because if you just got to the second round of the playoffs, the AFC Championship, won the division, the value that has to your franchise is is very, it's hard to quantify, right? They, they haven't been in the, in the playoffs in like 13, 14 years. They're on one of the longest, I think now that the Kings made the playoffs, the New York Jets are now officially the longest active playoff, you know, missing streak. So just Rodgers for a one-year rental has value, right? Now, how much value is, we can argue that all day long, and clearly that's what they're arguing over. Now, the one thing that I would just happen, I, I would say happens in any negotiation is, is there a deadline, right? Is there a deadline? Like, my girlfriend just sold a house yesterday to a couple. Well, the couple is coming out here because he got a job as a doctor. And it starts at the end of the month. So they got to figure out a place to live. Just like a lot of people that are selling their homes, same thing. Someone died. Someone got a divorce. I did a walkthrough the other day. Went to look at a house, thinking about buying it. And it was like, why are they selling the house? It's one of the first things you ask for. They're like, well, they just got a divorce. <laughs> Someone's got to pay the other one. Right? So this, there's a deadline here. It's the draft. And it's not even actually the first round. It's the second round because it's pick 42 and 43. This trade has to happen by one of those two picks if you're going to get you know, a pick this year, right? So I think that the trade is more likely to happen, not just draft week, but probably Friday of the draft. Now, potentially it could happen Thursday, but given that the Jets don't have to give their 13th overall pick, it's kind of just a staring contest with some still time remaining. But we know the outcome of this. Aaron Rodgers is going to be on the New York Jets. And Aaron Rodgers is and Jordan Love is going to be the quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. Right now, they're basically just arguing. And listen, it happens. We've all been in these situations of some pride, some ego, some I want to quote unquote win the deal. With the Packers side for sure. And if you're the Jets, you're just trying to pay as little as possible to get the asset that you know is inevitably coming to you. So it just, this trade just feels very Aaron Rodgers, feels very New York Jets, clumsy, weird, public. Uh, just, I don't know. I don't ever remember anything quite like this. Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip, who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. Hear about Michael Bublé's entrance into show business. And get business insight from Mark Burnett. Find out what scares my son-in-law, Jason Bateman. And discover the bragging rights that come with beating Michael Jordan at golf. Together, we know just about everything everybody including sitting presidents so join us as we ask the questions they've not been asked before tell it like it is and even sing a song or two this is our podcast and we're going to do it our way listen to our way on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts I'm John Seifer. And I'm Jerry O'Shea. We spent over 30 years in the CIA uncovering global conspiracies. Conspiracies aren't just a theory to us, which is why we started our podcast, Mission Implausible. 
Everyone has questions about conspiracy theories, but with our background, we can actually answer those questions. We break open modern-day conspiracies and tell you which elements may be the real deal. Like, did Bill Gates use COVID vaccines to microchip us all? We all do have tracking devices. Mm -hmm. We carry them around. We spend a lot of money on them. And what's actually on Hunter Biden's laptop? You are talking to the guy that has three of Hunter Biden's laptops and cell phone. And what did the deep state build under Denver airport? Do you think there are secret bunkers? That's just on my list of questions I have about Jesse Ventura. It's our mission to get to the heart of these conspiracy theories and figure out the why, the how, and especially the if. Listen to Mission Implausible on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A couple other things. Saquon Barkley, I I looked it up today. He's not going to sign his franchise tag. Obviously, he's mad. He wants a long-term deal. And I always find it funny, like uh, when an employee, a player, whoever, someone who struggles for a while, then all of a sudden like has some positive momentum and then starts making demands. It's like, you know, Saquon, you played 15 games in 2020 and 2021 total. You ran for less than 600 yards in 21. And last year, you know, you were good, but let's not act like you were Walter Payton reincarnated here. Like, if you're going to draw a hard line and be like, I need some money. I remember last year, right, in the offseason. It was like DK Metcalf, A.J. Brown, Debo Samuel. Like, you know what? These guys got pretty compelling cases. Debo Samuel literally carried the 49ers to the NFC Championship game. To the NFC by himself, right? A.J. Brown was dominating. Absolutely dominating. DK Metcalf had like 29 touchdowns through three years. Like these guys have really good arguments. Like Saquon, you've been a banged up running back who does not really pass protect. Like you're very talented, but to think that you can just draw this hard line in the sand, if I'm the Giants, like it would piss me off. You're not going to show up to OTAs. Listen, we like you. You're a good guy. You're a good player. But it's not like you've been banging out four straight years of kicking everyone's ass. You got injured and then you came back and you were like a shell of yourself. You look pretty damn good this year. But you're still kind of a flawed running back. I I would not consider you the total package. And the history of paying running backs, as we all know, is very hit or miss. So I I just always like when players just constantly produce. And then it's just like, yeah, I'm ready to get paid. And the team's like, yeah, we're ready to pay you. Then when guys like one-year wonder or miss a bunch of time for injury. And it's like, I've been this player the whole time. Well, no, you actually have it. We got four or five years of data. Some have been hits. Some have been misses. We have injury concerns. Uh, There are two sides to every negotiation when it comes to these type situations. And honestly, like, I would lean on the Giants side. Like, I I would not give into this. And I would, I don't think it's a great look for Saquon to just kind of not show up. You know, like, I, I understand if you told me Travis Kelsey or Nick Bosa or someone like that didn't show up. It's like, yeah, produce every single year. Dominate. Bro, you haven't really been dominating. I kind of forgot about you for a couple of years. A couple other NFL stories. Uh, YouTube TV has obviously officially, they have the Sunday ticket and the price points came out. It is uh, $340, basically $350 if you're a YouTube TV subscriber. It is $450 if you're not a YouTube TV subscriber. And based on what we used to pay, 1.5 million of us, I did it for the first time last year and I, you know, it was easy. The digital package, you know, from DirecTV, the NFL Sunday package, which was $300. 
Now I'm biased. I have uh, I have this office in this complex where I'm renting. Right, I, I rent an apartment, and I, I rented basically a studio apartment, and I just turned it into an office. And uh, I got a couple TVs on the wall, and I said, you know what? Every you know the condo I'm renting out, I got Comcast. Where, where we're living, we got Cox or whatever. I was like, I've always been when I grew up, I had Direct TV and then the Dish, and I want to be a cord cutter. I want to try it out. And I had friends that said, you should try YouTube TV. So I did. I have YouTube TV currently, and I've had it since I've been in this office for about six months now, and I love it. Like I, I'm very, very impressed. And whenever I buy my house, which I was thinking about today in the shower, if I bought a house tomorrow, over under amount of TVs in the place, if it was three bedrooms with an office, I mean, we could be looking at like 10 TVs and YouTube TV would be a lock to get my business. 100%. I, I would have, I would get YouTube TV moving forward. I'm a big believer in the product of someone now that's used it for six months. So I've been saying for a while, the NFL was always going to start trending this way, right? They got in with Amazon. Now they're in with YouTube, which is owned by Google. Like this is the way of the future. And this is in a weird way, still a niche, right? There's only 1.5 million people that get the Sunday ticket. So this is not nearly as important as even Amazon getting Thursday night. Now, Google who is the parent company, obviously, paid $2 billion for this. If you just do the math, you know, average out, like just on the Sunday ticket alone, somewhere between like 550, 700 million, depending on how many subscribers get it, it's hard to know, but they will make well under the $2 billion a year that they paid for it. But the one thing they will immediately get right is a large percentage, I would guess, of people that had DirecTV, and that's the way that they got the NFL package, will now get will now switch to just YouTube TV. So they will get people to become subscribers to the monthly thing, which is really what they're rooting for. So I was always a believer in uh, in these streaming services be getting involved in this because this is what they do. Like, I mean, last year, when you don't have like Roku or it on Apple TV, I just got the app on my smart TV for uh, the Sunday package. I couldn't watch more than one game at a time on my television. Yet on my PC or my iPad, I could do the box and four, right? And that's just because DirecTV is just, this is not their business, right? Their, their business is not streaming and constantly progressing and constantly being proactive and figuring things out. That's what internet companies do. I would expect, now I'm not saying it's going to be perfect. It might be a little rocky at first, but I think big picture, this thing is going to be badass. It's going to be incredible. Also, it's very, very easy to use. And the other thing is, this is the future. So one day, all of our stuff will be streamed. Now, maybe that's CBS streaming. Maybe that's still NBC streaming, which is Peacock. But that's where it's all going to be. I, I, I can't stress enough, and anyone listening to this knows, people with young kids, when you ask them like what channels they watch, they don't watch any of it. All they watch is YouTube. It is crazy for us older people. I'm 38. Anyone listening to this, 45, 50, whatever. Like the power of YouTube, and I consume way more YouTube than I used to maybe five, six, two, three years ago. Like I've never consumed more YouTube and that continues to grow and grow. But like this is just where the consumer is. So I, I, it's going to work. I think it's going to be good. And it's it's probably going to be pretty innovative, which is also a key anytime you're just kind of moving forward in this this new landscape. The other thing that happened today was uh, Dan Snyder 
I don't know if it's official, but it's sold. It's like trending that Josh Harris is going to get the the commanders. It, it feels a little bit like anticlimactic because we knew Dan Snyder was probably never coming back. Somehow they booted him. Uh, just one of the most embarrassing tenures you'll ever see. I mean, it's been it's been a complete disaster from every angle. It, it, it really has, right? The team has pretty consistently sucked. They, they have not been good. They have not been an entertaining product. They have not won. The owner constantly been in the headlines for just terrible things. I mean, asshole, bad guy, screwing up. It just it just hasn't worked. I mean, there really isn't an element to this team in the Dan Snyder tenure that would be, you know, overall. I mean, they've had individual seasons where they've made a wild card or whatever, but they they had the moment with RG3. But the overall consistent talk about this team has just been negative. It has just been bad. And to rid themselves of this guy, however they did it, and there was collateral damage. I mean, John Gruden got fired for the the football team's investigation. Think about that. The, the Raiders coach got fired in the takedown of Dan Snyder. The cheerleading, just scandal after scandal after scandal after scandal in, in a division full of like, I mean, the Eagles going to Super Bowls, winning Super Bowls. The Giants have won several Super Bowls over Snyder's time. The Cowboys, who have underachieved, but still like are consistently in the mix uh, in the regular season in the first round of the playoffs. That it's just nice to get some new blood. Now, that doesn't guarantee you shit. It doesn't. You know, there's no guarantee that the Panthers and David Tepper are going to win anything. There's no guarantee that Haslam and the Browns are ever going to do anything. But you pay this much money. You obviously have a lot of incentive to do well. These owners now paying these enormous amounts of money. You know, obviously, Ron Rivera's on the clock, officially, whenever this deal goes down. You would expect him to have to make the playoffs at minimum to keep his job. And even then, who knows? I mean, maybe Josh Harris would want new people in, but we no longer have to talk about Dan Snyder because it's just, it just became kind of an exhausting topic. It, it really, like, what else are you going to say about it? I don't care. Uh, and I feel, I feel if you're some diehard, you know, commanders, football team, Redskins fan, uh, they, they've changed their name. Think about that. Like three times in the last four years. It's just, a, it's just a team that needs kind of to take a deep breath some new blood. Like, ultimately, the Broncos, I, I guess they needed new blood in the sense they hadn't been winning, but if they just would have had the the, the sisters of Pat Bolin or, or his daughters, you know, the, the family, like, if they had all got along, it wouldn't have been that big a deal. If uh, Paul Allen's daughter and family, whoever's involved in that, like, just kept running it, like, yeah, it's fine in Seattle. It felt like the, the, the football team commanders, again, I, I get their names mixed up because they've had fucking a million of them, just needed to be detonated. And that's what happened. Now, we'll see if that turns into more wins, more relevancy. I don't know. But no no team needed a bigger just refresh of just 20 years. And, and there's been, you know, the Browns were in that mix. I think the Raiders have been in that mix. Other teams over this period of time. The internet age, when the league has never made more money, it's never been more relevant. I always find it funny when people are like, the league is better when... And usually that's teams that were good in the 70s and 80s that haven't been good lately. It's like, no, actually, that's not true. The league has never been better than now in terms of viewership, in terms of interest. Now, you could argue if you're like a you know, Washington fan, it was better in the 80s, right? Or if you're a Raider fan, it was better in the 70s and 80s than it has been now, for sure. But in terms of the league, the Patriots used to be irrelevant. Then they became an absolute powerhouse and drove ratings. 
the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, for 15 years till since Andy got there or till Andy got there, right? In the internet age, weren't doing that much. N- now they're a behemoth, right? So th- in, in this day and age, it's not about legacy. It's about what are you doing for me now? And I, I think that works in any business, but specifically sports. I mean, the Warriors sucked forever. Then they got Steph Clay and Draymond and became a powerhouse and do big ratings like they're the LA Lakers and win a lot of championships. You know, it, it didn't necessarily matter that for 25 years, they had sucked a lot and been completely irrelevant because we move on faster than we ever have. And um, we'll see. It's a big market. Uh, they, they really like their sports there, right? The Nationals did really well when they were, when they won the World Series. Um, the Washington Wizard, the Wizards have mainly sucked. Uh, the Capitals, Ovechkin, have been very, very relevant. So if, if you win, they will come. And they just, they just need to start winning some more games. I think they got some talent. Like, I watched their team a bunch last year. They got a really good defensive line. The running back that got shot, uh, Robinson, stud, uh, McLaurin, baller. Other receivers, is it Crowder? I mean, they got multiple offensive weapons. The defense got some players. They they got some, they got Chase Young coming back. I'm bullish. I, I was I was impressed. I thought they were quarterback away last year. So uh, exciting times if you're a Washington fan. volume. I'm John Seifer. And I'm Jerry O'Shea. We spent over 30 years in the CIA uncovering global conspiracies. Conspiracies aren't just a theory to us, which is why we started our podcast, Mission Implausible. Everyone has questions about conspiracy theories, but with our background, we can actually answer those questions. Anyone can just start screaming about microchips and Jewish space lasers, but it's our mission to remove the bull and get down to what's real. Listen to Mission Implausible on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.